Hello, everybody, and welcome to this niche podcast about the one thing I know something about, game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. Happy 4th of July week, everybody. 4th of July is coming up, and what better way to celebrate game shows, I suppose, than by reviewing two British game shows and have a deep dive for an infamous Japanese game show. Anyway, like every episode, let's take a look at some of the news. According to Variety, Price is Right, Let's Make a Deal executive producer Mike Richards to exit for overall deal at Sony. Mike Richards, the longtime executive producer of both The Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal, is stepping down after signing a multi-year overall deal with Sony Pictures Television, Variety has learned exclusively. Richards will begin working with Sony in September. Under the deal, he'll develop and produce game shows for network, cable, and streaming platforms. He has been with both The Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal for over 10 years each. I'm incredibly proud of what we've done to restore and transform The Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal over the last decade, said Richards. My focus was always been to create content that makes the world a better and happier place, and I look forward to working with Mike Hopkins and the entire Sony team to create new shows that entertain and inspire. Uh, so that, that's kind of interesting. Uh, so, so Mike Richards is, is the, is basically the guy who has designed basically both the let's make a deal and the price right that we know today. And he's a very, very sweet guy. Uh, the, the Bob Barker diehards and the price is right. Really do not like the guy. And I don't see why he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a happy go lucky dude. Uh, he hosts game shows. He hosted the a revival of pyramid for game show network and he hosted divided for game show network. So this is kind of a step up in terms of where he's going in terms of game show productions. Even though one could argue, let's make a deal and the price is right are both diehard daytime shows that it's pretty much the most cushiest job that you could have in entertainment aside from maybe like the tonight show now a lot of people are kind of coming up with all sorts of things like yay mike richards is good we're going to go back to the way it was i don't see that because i know a lot of people at Fremontle who has worked on reboots for prices right and card sharks uh, and and match game, they might have a say in the new. Let's make a deal in the new prices, right? And it might actually be somewhat of the same that we have seen, or maybe there's going to be a new twist. I can't wait to see who's going to be getting the reins for the prices, right? And let's make a deal. Now, as for Sony Pictures, this is also going to be very interesting because Sony Pictures is behind Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Now. To me, Jeopardy, you don't really need to mess up that show. I mean, like, you'll have your few tournaments here and there every season. But other than that, it's a straightforward show. But with Mike Richards involved, there is a strong possibility that Wheel of Fortune could get rebooted. It could be more lively. It could be more exciting. And that is where my eyes are at. I want to see how he does that. I want to see how he handles uh, other reboots that are in the Sony library. Uh, I am trying to remember some of the shows that they have. So I think they are also behind Two Minute Drill, which means they could be doing Mastermind if they wanted to. Uh, they have all of the Barry Ingwright stuff, so that means Joker's Wild. That means Tic Tac Doe, even though Snoop Dogg has Joker's Wild. That could easily be replicated again. Uh, we saw a few shows under Embassy Row that were Sony like developed and produced so studio seven from from the wb remember that show uh millionaire how about millionaire 
Could Mike Richards be in charge of making a brand new millionaire? That I want to know. A lot of this stuff seems very exciting of what would Mike Richards take on some of these game shows be. So, Mike, best of luck to you at Sony Pictures. Uh, Your pal Jordan has your back. Hang in there and give me a call sometime. We haven't chatted in a while. (laughs) Next headline, Propagate. Perhaps take-it-to-ride competition series based on board game. Los Angeles-based global studio Propagate Contest partnering with Asmodee Entertainment to develop the lighter's hit board game Ticket-to-Ride into an unscripted adventure competition game show of the same name. This series will be a travel competition format with five teams competing on a journey that requires they rack up the most miles by air, land, and sea. The board game was created by Alan Moon and published by Days of Wonder and Amosdee Studios. Propagate has earned a reputation for identifying great stories wherever they are and turning them into a unique and compelling filmed entertainment, said Propagate co-CEO Howard Owens and President Greg Lipstone in a joint statement. This project and partnership are a perfect example of that, and we are thrilled to be in business with the like-minded people at Asmodee. Asmo Entertainment will develop new and exciting entertainment experiences based on the vibrant universes of our popular games. Added Asmo president Stephanie Carville, we are delighted to bring one of the most iconic properties to life with the help of our visionary partners at Propagate. We look forward to future collaborations. Now, I'm okay with, with Take It to Ride. I, I mean, in the last couple of decades, we haven't really seen that many board game adaptations like Monopoly was one, Game of Life was one. I guess you can say Family Game Night if you want to. Uh, Scrabble Showdown, but we haven't really seen something that wasn't a Hasbro game show. And Take It to Ride is one of the more modern game shows. That and Wits and Ragers and Game of Things and Cards Against Humanity, like those are the modern uh, formats. Uh, the, from what I'm hearing here, it sounds like they're trying to go for like an Amazing Race style show, to which I'm fine with. I like the Amazing Race, but you don't want to go too close into the Amazing Race territory. Um, but it could be interesting. The problem is most of these shows where they're looking into making a game show or reality show based off a uh, format typically, uh, goes under. Cause I remember they tried to do one for Pac-Man recently. They tried to do one for Monopoly and it's like, aside from the lottery games, nothing happens. So I, to me, whenever I read things like this, I think, okay, well, someone got the rights to make a game show, but it's never going to get picked up. Um, it happens, but Hey, if ticket to ride shows up, count me in. I want to see how that show works. It needs a network. It needs a production. It needs a script. It needs a format, but that's fine. And finally, the other big news, it just broke today. Cash cab game show rebooted again, ordered by Bravo with Ben Bailey as host. Bravo is reviving Emmy-winning game show Cash Cab from Lion Television in all three media company with original host Ben Bailey. Cash Cab begins shooting this summer and will premiere later this year. In this series reboot set in New York City, the stakes are higher than the original. The car will be upgraded and the questions will include more for lovers of pop culture, according to Bravo. Each episode will feature three games, and much like the original, it will start the second the contestant enters the Cash Cab. If the passenger can answer enough questions correctly... Before making it to their destination, they'll win big bucks. However, three wrong answers, and they'll be kicked out of the cash cabin back on the street. Along the way, they'll get two shout-outs, one on social media and the other via street shout-out, where the contestant can pull over and ask a stranger for help. Passengers who successfully make it to their destination can simply walk away with their money, or they can play a double-or-nothing video bonus, going home incredibly happy or with nothing at all. 
So this is going to be joining the icon, the reboot of Blind Date for Bravo. And you know what? I'm so excited. I love Cash Cab. We talked about Cash Cab with Uncle Howard uh, from the podcast Uncle to Uncle. Uh, they, they, they've just recently changed their name. It's called Uncle to Uncle now. And I liked Uncle Howard. And it was a great episode talking about Cash Cab. And it sounds like maybe some people at Bravo heard the episode and Hey, hey, Uncle Howard, next time you want to work your magic and reboot a game show, you know where to go. Right here. Thank you so much. As you know, this is an international game show podcast, so sometimes I have to review some international formats. And the most recent game show I saw was something on ITV2 in the United Kingdom called Hey Tracy. It's a comedy game show where three celebrities compete against three celebrities to answer trivia questions kind of like in hip-hop squares they play for somebody in the audience the set design looks like a 1960s computer in uh with a 1980s decorum as well kind of a lot of uh grids kind of a lot of rotating uh circles a lot of ribbons the rules are simple one group is in control, and they get a question. The question's very silly, something that would normally be like on Fibbage in the, in the Jackbox Party Pack series. But it's a very open-ended question, leaving a lot of possibilities for answers. The celebrity most likely would not know this answer, and they intentionally get comedians or really dumb reality television stars so they can play along. So that way they are forced to use the show's lifeline. And this is the intent of the comedy aspect of the show called Tracy. The Tracy is a character kind of like Malcolm from that pilot Malcolm. Please look up Malcolm. That is exactly what you can expect with this show. Malcolm um, was this cartoon character who was trying to play with Alex Trebek. It's very weird. Anyway... It's supposed to be the centerpiece of the show. She's this mouthy, trashy lady, and when you ask her a question, she doesn't know the answer, but instead will refer you to three businesses. The idea is then to call one of these three businesses up, almost like a crank call, and ask them the trivia question. The prizes, uh, if you get these questions correct, are very cheap items. They're about 10 pounds or kind of the kind of gag prizes you would see at an Urban Outfitters, like a llama mask. If the team is correct with the question, that prize is won on behalf of the player. And then we add another question to the mix. When time is running up on the show, the Tracy is on limited power, and one final question will be played. And on that part of the game is only played for the team in control. The team that's in control gets the final question, and it's the most important question of the show because it is for not just a gimmick prize, but for 2,000 pounds. It's an okay show, but it's very, very mindless. And it feels out of date even for today. Despite its simplistic game mechanics, a quiz show for teenagers, and it feels like a counterculture to the tech-based series and Alexas of the world, it feels like I'm watching 1990s MTV all over again, and I'm looking at the British Chris Hardwick just just berating everybody for answering trivia questions. It, it it feels that way in its tone and its aesthetic, and it's supposed to appeal to teenagers. There's limited playability and limited comedy when it comes to the crank calls, but overall there is some sort of format though that it's not that much to be like yelling at in, in anger 
Um, but unfortunately, I found it a bit disappointing. So my letter grade is a solid D. Which them is solid D means dick. So. <laughs> Takeshi Kitano, better known audiences as Beat Takeshi, was well known to American audiences for portraying Kitano in the 2000s thriller called Battle Royale. In that movie, based off the novel by Kaoshun Kakami, saw junior high school students fight against each other to the death for survival in a program by an authoritarian regime. Battle Royale, by nature today, comes in different flavors, such as the Fortnite floss dancing type to the Player Unknown's Battlegrounds stealth type to whatever the hell you might call Tetris 99. But life was much simpler even before the cult movie, and even before the 1996 novel, way back to May 2nd, 1986. Kakashi was famous for his stand-up comedy, playing a harsh character, occasionally a gangster, that sometimes after his set at comedy clubs, he'd be invited to drink with Japanese Yakuza and learned about crime bosses in real life. He appeared in the movie Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence with David Bowie in a serious role, but Japanese audiences only saw him as comedic, which would haunt him. A man who wants to play the authoritarian, tough-as-nails boss, but unable to let go of the comedy skills that catapulted his career, he became the primary antagonist for a Tokyo Broadcasting System game show called Takeshi's Castle. On the primary episode, small physical challenges were divided by fortress challenges to whittle down over 100 contestants to nothing. Some argued the origin of the Battle Royale, Others argue the origin of the slapstick game show that would show up later as things like Wipeout and Holy Moly. Granted, if you forget entirely about shows like It's a Knockout. Iconic games were played including Devil's Domain and Strait of Gibraltar. They would become known as Door Jam and Big Brass Balls when it would be redubbed as Most Extreme Elimination Challenge or MXC. With such an iconic series, I ask another authoritarian yet comedic person to come on, Josh McLeod from the Game Show Fans Podcast, as he shares his wealth of knowledge and offers up a Fighting Spirit Award. Time to get it on and turn the tables. With me on the line from the Game Show Fans Podcast with Josh and Danny, it's the Josh, Josh McLeod. Hola, I'm hey. speaking Spanish. Wow, you know Spanish? You're, you're. Well, this is a very international episode, to say the least. Uh, so, so we had a, a long, long time ago. Back, we had Danny on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Lingo because that's his favorite game show, and apparently he he screwed up stuff. Not me. I'm always right. Uh, and and we decided let's get you on. And we we're going to talk about the game show that you enjoy the most, and it turns out to be the one that was on my radar for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people want the MXC. They keep going, I want to do MXC, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. And uh, I had to tell people, uh, first of all, that's a comedy show. That's not the actual game show. 
And second, if you're looking for the game show, it's called Takeshi's Castle. And then, like, when it got international, like, license, you know, like, UK or whatever, with, like, uh, with Craig Charles, mm-hmm. it, it, it just ends up, uh, it's just, it's smaller formatted version of the show. From what I'm gathering, and because we watched a couple episodes, uh, it's longer than the Craig Charles episode, and it's a lot more comedic and a lot more slapstick. Jordan, you have passed the test uh, uh, of the knowledge of Takeshi's Castle. Uh, your prize is you get to keep hosting the podcast. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. All Which, right. by the way, when, uh, when MXC was originally uh, marketed in TV Guide, hey, remember TV Guide? Uh, <laughs> it was originally listed as a game show, and the producers had to go, no, 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 we're not a game show. We are not a game show. We are a comedy show. So, you want to know about the original, the original show, which uh, which actually the full title would be Sukai Narayuki Bangumi Fun Takeshi Joe. You need a translation? Yeah. Well, is that to the other to listeners? What would that mean? Thrilling, uh, exhilarating reality game show Operation Takeshi's Castle. Okay, well that actually makes a lot of sense uh, uh, in terms of the format, mm-hmm. especially just the part Operation Takeshi's Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually we, we break it into game, show, and, and features. Uh, the easiest thing to figure out here is the story. Now, uh, the story goes, and I'm going to f- screw this up a lot. Yes, you are. Uh, feel free to jump in. I should have forced you to watch the first episode. Uh, I, I, I couldn't find it. It's I, on the, except it's for on, in the MXC DVDs. Um, it's on there, but it's not fully subtitled due to music things that we won't go into yeah. yet. We'll go into it later. Uh, so, B. Takeshi. B. Takeshi, the well-known movie director of the Battle Royale series. It mm-hmm. spawned a whole lot of video games like Fortnite and PUBG. Uh, he, he has his own castle, and he is an emperor in this castle. And there is a general, and he lord. is... Lord. The lord. Tono, lord. Oh, lord. Lord, I guess, is the correct word. We'll get into that later. And there's a general. Mm-hmm. He's recruiting... Uh, Tani Hayato. Trying to, to get some, some contestants or, or, like, recruits into his military battle. To raid Takeshi's castle and, and, and make him, like, I guess, seize to, to rule with an iron fist. But along the way, there are wacky games set forth that are, that are kind of um, slapstick in nature. They're, uh, they're physical and in, in, in based on some sports games. Some are based on... Uh, on just classic obstacles and classic adventure, like a swing the rope game. And there's a lot of creativity in the design. With the intention of, if you get eliminated in one of these games, you're out of the competition. Until you get to the final round, where you get to be in a go-kart race. It's not even a race. It's like a laser laser game, like a like a laser tag, against mm-hmm. Takeshi and his, his posse of assistants, like American Gladiators. And if you can somehow storm the castle and beat Takeshi, hold for for joke, okay? Uh. You win the grand prize. It doesn't have a good win rate. I think it has a worse win rate than Legends. It definitely (laughs) has a worse win rate than Legends. Uh. The win rate, I believe there were 100. You want the win ratio? I don't know the ratio off the top of my head, but I can give you the amount of episodes and the amount of wins. Okay, go for it. So 131... Uh, episodes that feature a show uh, no hold on 130 episodes that feature a showdown that feature the final game uh, of those 130 
I believe eight of them end in a victory. Uh, two, one of them ended in a tie or a draw, and one of them, and two of them were kind of specials where Takeshi was trying to rec- reclaim the castle, and he rigged the game so that he would win automatically. So technically, they are wins, but they are wins still in favor of Takeshi. Tell people what the grand prize is. If you do all of these little events, which we'll get into quickly after this, okay. what's the grand uh, prize? If- if you uh, are lu- if you are lucky enough to storm Takeshi's castle, you will receive the grand prize of one million yen. Yes, one million yen, which uh, adjusted for inflation at the time was about eighty six hundred dollars. Wow! And if you did it like uh, with a team in the water gun version of it, you had to divide that amongst everybody that made it to the final showdown, regardless of if you were the one that successfully shot the target fascinating this is fascinating stuff because that that's very low stakes considering the budget that came with like creating the castle and the obstacles and bring the cast because this this is definitely a multi i would say at least a two million u.s dollar set the castle itself supposedly cost a hundred million yen which is about eight hundred thousand dollars roughly a million dollars to build and they only use it in like the first four. They really only use it for like the first four episodes. Other than after that, it's just basically a background set piece. Uh, it aired on, I believe, TV Tokyo. Uh, TBS, Tokyo Broadcasting System. Tokyo Broadcasting. Okay. Uh, so, so Friday night, seven, 7 p.m. And uh, what was the debut date? In Japan? Uh, the pilot. We're we're not a hundred percent sure about the pilot. But we the the first official episode debuted May second, nineteen eighty six. So think so that, this nineteen eighty six. There was storytelling in a game show. Mm-hmm. And now that we got through the old features, let's explain the format. Now okay. I'm going to say the one incorrect thing that I always thought was true, and then Josh is going to correct me immediately. Yes, I am. So the general has one hundred contestants. No. Well, roughly 100 contestants. It could be more, it could be less. It could be, and it's usually around that number, uh, depending. Sometimes sometimes it's a lot more, sometimes it's a lot less. I think the most, in a normal episode, we'll talk about the special episodes, some of the specials they did later. Uh, the most, I think, in a normal episode was in episode 55, where they had 141 contestants. Whoa. And in there, they play about roughly, like, what, six games, you think? Six, seven? Uh, there's an opening game. There's six uh, kind of middle tier games. There's the uh, man eating hole final game, and then there's the final showdown. So nine, eight or nine. Yeah, nine. And then I always thought, and this is the second misconception, they had to go through every game, like like mm-hmm. in a wipeout or in a it's a knockout or in, uh, or what people assume would be in, in any version of this where they had to go through all 100 games. Sorry, not all 100 mm-hmm. games. All uh, all like eight. All games. one. Yeah. Yeah. All 100 had to go through all eight, and the answer to your question is no. Uh, generally, the fir- generally the first game would be something that everybody would have to play. It would be so- but it would be like a mass game. It would be like everybody climb over this wall, or, or everybody run across this muddy pit before time runs out. Uh, and then after that, everyone was divided into groups, and generally they would play one to two of kind of the middle tier games. And then everyone would have to play the final, kind of the pre-final game. Everybody who had survived up to that point 
would play the uh, the final game, which was the man-eating holes, which we'll talk about in a minute. And, and then anyone who survived that got to go to the final showdown. Uh, but the storytelling, by the way, that's not some uh, that that's the story of the show. So you you followed it through the story arc of it. Uh, the the behind that this is that's more of a behind the scenes fact. Because they're assuming that everyone went through every game, the broadcasting. So it seems like they pr- they probably split them up early. Because if you assume like, well, we'll just say even though we know it's not a hundred, it's about a hundred. We'll we'll say mm-hmm. okay, so about eighty goes through to the next game. So game one, they split it 40-40. Because it's probably easier to reset for the crew, and it's easier for them to go through to the next challenge. And then because it's like, oh, do they wipe out? Is it a one wipeout they're done in some of these situations? Or is no. it? Um, I've heard from people who said, I wiped out or I lost the game, and I still got to go to the final uh, challenge because no one, because of, well, for whatever reason. So it, even, if, even if you failed, uh, you, you weren't necessarily out. But they might not have. Sh- but they wouldn't have shown it on TV if you failed and still made it to the end. It also seems to me that there's not there's a really lax standards and practices on this show when it comes to some of these challenges. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so I'm probably sure that was 80, so they can split 40-40, make it easier for the crew. So it's two sets of crew in the early games. So then when there's about 40 left or 30 left, then they can all go through the remaining games. Mm-hmm. Usually it's about like I think about maybe we maybe fifteen would actually go through each game, and then once they got enough footage, then they were like, again, it was generally it seemed to me it seemed always like, and I believe this to be the case from people is, once they got enough uh, usable footage of people doing, that's when they said, okay, stop, let's move to the next game. Oh right, because it seemed because because when it comes to this show, because the whole point is it's a mix of comedy duo, stand up comedy sketches, and slapstick in terms of people wiping out. If you're just going to see like 100 people wipe out on the obstacle, eventually that's just not going to be funny. It's just mm-hmm. going to be someone falling into water over and over again. But if you have like 20 people and like there's five people who make it and 15 fall in random silly ways, then you have plenty of footage. Yep. Well, and not all of the game. most of the games were like that, but not all the games were, were crazy wipeouts. Some of them were like the karaoke game. Yeah, that was going to... There are some that really stand out. Yeah. Uh, so, um... Okay, so before we get into all the mini games, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, we already know it wasn't real. It wasn't not adapted from anything. It just came out to Keshi himself, right? Like that was. Uh, we've heard mixed. We know that there's footage of Takeshi and and a producer. We know that the rumor is that he wanted it to be like a live action video game. We haven't confirmed that. Uh, it's tough to say. That seems like something that you say to the press after the fact. Uh, we do know that uh, it, it was that he came up with a lot of the early ideas for it. Later on, he kind of moved away from it. Uh, we we know that I'm trying to think, but the basic the basic idea I think was his was uh, a guy, a bunch of contestants you know, run through obstacles and the survivors have to try to raid this castle. We can, and then before we get to the, all the games, because I'm going to tell you right now, there's over a hundred games in this show and we're not going to go through every one of them. This is not pricing game spotlight, <laughs> but join uh, us next week for Takeshi's game spotlight. <laughs> that's going to be your segment on, on game show fans. And I do it. <laughs> I do it if he'd let me, but Danny I say won't. go for it. I say you're, you are, you have 50, 50 ownership of that show. You, you should have it. If he if he fucking has to talk about you know uh, game show network originals, why not? <laughs> okay, I'll, is... I'll tell you, Danny. If you're listening to this, 
get ready. Next week it's going to be we're going to be talking about every game that was ever played on on Operation Takeshi's Castle, one at a time. And you can just sit there quietly in the corner and read your little book. Oh, oh, he reads books now. Oh, wow, smarty pants. I, I don't know. I just assume that's what little kids do. I can oh, yeah. say little kid because I'm ten years older than Danny. So yeah, but that, but it gives a nice. I that's why I like the podcast is because it's this. You're like my age, and then he is like a younger person. Yeah. Slight conflict of what shows he likes that you like, and then what shows you like and he doesn't yeah. like. And it's it's a warm fuzzy show. And I'm trying that, to I mean, force I'm him to watch. I'm surprised you haven't given him a nuggy and and gave him I'm, a swirly yet and say, "Listen, I'm, nerd." <laughs> I'm trying to force him to watch Legends. He won't do it. And I'm like, he won't bastard. watch Legends. He has. I, I don't know if it's like he he just doesn't want to, or if he hasn't had time. But I'm like, you gotta watch Legends. How can you not watch Legends? That's like the greatest kids game show ever. Period. Sorry, Double Dare. Uh, <laughs> Legends is kids game show ever. I'm pissed that someone else is gonna be talking about it, and not me. Uh, but uh, you know. Uh, and then Danny. finally, the cultural appeal of the show, because this became a a cultural phenomenon in television and then internationally later on. So there was video games. There was the Bondi uh, video game that came. There were actually two that came out in Japan uh, that used the power mat or whatever the the Japanese equivalent, the family trainer. This is what it was called in Japan, uh, and you get to play games like that on the show uh, using your using your Nintendo Power Pad. All right, and now but not using your Nintendo Power Pad because you'd have to be Japanese, which will work because it's supposed to be a physical based game show, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so. Now we can do a little about presentation, because we already established okay. lightly the format. There's mm-hmm. games, eliminates contestants. Oh, and, and don't forget the bonus prize. There's a bonus prize. If you don't, even if you don't win, you can't storm the castle. There is a consolation prize to one contestant. Uh, usually, one to three, usually one to three contestants per episode, sometimes more. Sometimes I think the most was like five. Uh, the Fighting Spirit Award, where if the producers like you, like the way you wiped out or think they... Your win was impressive, or just think that you were so pathetic that you deserve a prize. They'll give you the Fighting Spirit Award, which is a uh, hundred thousand yen, which is about one hundred twenty dollars. It's still not bad for a consolation prize where most people win nothing. Yeah, apparently the you got like I think just a stipend for appearing on the show, which was like fifty bucks American. That actually kind of that sounds a lot. Of, so that's why I like I like the fact that even if there's no winners. It almost has this America's Funniest Home Videos aspect of, well, even if you didn't win, you had this really funny wipeout that we just have to give you something for. Mm-hmm. Or your win was so impressive. Like, it was so impressive that you were able to still stay on the roller, like, for, like, nine minutes, and you still made it to the end. Yeah, we saw that international one-off thing that was, that never broadcast. Mm-hmm. And that and that had we both agreed on on that guy deserved that fighting yeah. spirit award. It never broadcast outside of Japan. It the rice, licensing Japan. rights, which is the big issue with the show, yeah. which we'll talk about in a minute. I'm hoping we talk about it. And I'm hoping we don't just say that and then we never get around to it. But we'll we'll get there at some there, point. No, we're, we're, I just want to get all the quick things out of the way. So okay, get the f- that format done. We've established what the format is. The mm-hmm. presentation now. Here okay. we go. <laughs> Who's the host? Takeshi Kitano uh, and Sonoma Higa. And, well, it was originally Takeshi Kitano and Saburo Ishikura uh, for the first 28 episodes, and then uh, it was a, sort of an interesting story. I don't, I don't, I haven't, I don't think you're aware of this. Takeshi uh, got into some legal trouble around 1987, and 
for various reasons, was not allowed to appear on television for an extended period of time. So the solution was to build a giant foam Takeshi head and have someone wear it and then have a special guest be the host for the day and talk to the Takeshi in the foam head. <laughs> that sounds really funny. Yeah. And then so, they would, so they would bring in, you know, pop stars, you know, uh, famous actors, comedians to, to be the special guest commentators. And then it's the... And then there's the general. The general is Tani uh... Hayato. All right. And then there's a field reporter who who is everyone says it's Gila Douche. That's not his name. Junji Inegawa. And then there's yeah, like other gonna... characters, like the, in this like a bunch of American Gladiator style characters. Like there's a Kabuki <laughs> guy. Uh... Most of them were actors. Most of them were comedian actors. People. And then a baseball dude. <laughs> yeah, a base, famous famous baseball player. Uh, and then occasionally they would have like special guards. Like during the bowling game, they would bring in like a like an actual professional bowler to play. Even though this is oversized large bowling. Yep. <laughs> uh, and it, and the presentation's fun because the way the the general handles things, it, it's very it's conversational humor. With the get mm-hmm. with the contestants, which is similar to what they kind of nailed with MXC. Yeah. And then when you go to Takeshi, as he's you know basically he he's kind of supposed to be the the villain somewhat, where it's just he's going to keep making crazy games. He wants to stop these people at all costs, and it's like a, a it makes like a little two minute skit with one of the guards or the the, the sideline <laughs> co-host where he tortures his his uh his troops his gundam. It makes them do stupid stuff for his amusement. Like he'll like the uh, you, we watched the episode where they the producer bought everybody expensive mushrooms to eat, and he for and he they all so the theme of that episode was they were all given very very bizarre uh, dishes using these mushrooms, like mushroom curry and mushroom tempura and mushroom cake. Sounds like an Iron Chef episode waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the. <clears throat> So and the, I'm not sure how well that translates to everyone. I assure you it is. It is. Much. It's fun. And then uh, the set. We got to explain the set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, fucking huge. <laughs> it was filmed on the, the back lot of Tokyo Broadcasting. It was this huge set and with all these games set up. And sometimes they would tear games down and build new ones in place. But generally, the, the, generally there were a few that were always there. Um, and it was, you know, but, and the, the castle was always there. I'm not sure if the, ca- I, we don't think the castle's still there. We think it was torn down at some point. And, uh, apparently now it's where they film, uh, Sasuke, Ninja Warrior. Cause they still have the moats and some of the hills look familiar. Mm-hmm. Sasuke, which is over here, Ninja Warrior. We called it Ninja Warrior because goofy Japanese, ha ha ha, everything has to be Japanified. For us Americans. We can't so. call it Sasuke. People say the Naruto character. <laughs> uh, well, apparently there was a show called Sasuke that was before then, but that's a different story. And then finally, with the presentation, we established funny slaps at comedy. Mm-hmm. Fun, uh, fun. This is the thing that you're the expert in, music and audio. <laughs> so uh, the main theme was composed by a guy whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Cause, uh, 
I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Sorry, guy who composed the, the main theme to the show. Uh, you deserve some credit. And he composed a lot of little instrumental things throughout. Uh, you know, and the end theme, which you'll hear in this podcast, unless Jordan is an idiot and doesn't put it in. Uh, but each game, each game uh, used a song that was pre-existing from something else. So when we talk about a game, I'll try to tell you what the song that was playing in the background is from. Um, but generally, because of the way copyright worked at the time, and still does, which is one of the reasons why you're not seeing this show in a lot of countries, is because they used a lot of copyrighted music for each game. And you are on a quest to find every song. <laughs> I'm on a quest to find all the game songs. I'm not on a quest to find every instrument, every song they ever used, because uh, I would be here forever. But uh, I have there are 93 total, and we have so far found 82 of them over the course of about 12 years. Uh, there's 11 that have evaded our capture, as they say. Just like the win and, rate. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't say it like that. That means it's like we're never. That means like we're never gonna find them. No, we're gonna find them, <laughs> and you can help. But we'll wait till the end. That's so your plugs. Yeah, Napoli. we're gonna get to the plugs. Alrighty. Uh, so now we get to get to the fun part here. The games. The which games. It's gonna be the big entirety part of the show. Yeah. Well, it's like prices again. Like we said earlier, I considered this show like to be the Japanese version of like Prices Right, and that there were so many games in it. You know. And these are lots and lo lots of these are simple like rope swing games. Others are various versions of sports, but made bigger. And we'll mm -hmm. try and establish like what the big iconic ones would say. What are the what's the plinko? What's the cliffhangers? What's the three strikes? The uh... okay. Well, I think we'll, we'll go through some of our favorites, but some of our some of my favorites are ones that were played like twice, just because of how bizarre they were. But um. I think the, usually the first game was called uh, the Barrier Wall. The, the, the Barrier Wall, the, the, you know, uh, where there's a giant wall and all of the contestants have to try to climb over the wall and on the other side is a slide and they have to slide down that slide into the mud and get over the wall before time runs out. And whoever's left on the other side doesn't get to go play the next game. That was It was generally a game like that to open. Uh, by the way, this... Go ahead. And there's a lot of help in that. There was a lot of people like yeah. trying to pick each other up or push them over. Mm -hmm. It wasn't selfish. Like us Americans, it would be just everybody runs and climbs over and, 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 and helps and themselves. And slam each other into the wall. No, it's my game. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use your dead body, which is one of the reasons why this show probably doesn't work internationally. I'm going to use your dead body to help me get over the wall. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then there's the wall run, the famous wall run with the... Magic the doors. doors. Uh, the uh, the wall to freedom, as it is called. So there's four four barriers of walls. Each wall has four doors. Uh, two of the doors are made of paper. So if you run into them and you hit them, they will open. Uh, and two of them are board are like boarded up. So if you hit it, it will not open. And so naturally, the contestants run at them as fast as they possibly can. And hit the wall and hope and pray that they break through. So it's sort of a luck-based mission. And the background music for that was from the 1980 Akira Kurosawa film Kage Musha. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then we'll get to one of the other iconic ones. Now, in MXC, they call it Sinkers and Floaters. I know it more as Skipping Stones, where they have a bunch Lake, of stones. Lake of the Dragon God, or Dragon Lake, or Dragon Pond. Uh, one of those translations would be the most accurate. Uh, you, There is a set of 
a bunch of stones in the water, and you have to try to run across them. Simple as that. However, uh, most of the stones are stationary, but some of them, when you step on them, will sink. And so you can do one of two ways. You can go slow and try to avoid the ones that are going to sink, or you can run as fast as you possibly can so that if you do step on one that sinks, you can maybe make enough momentum to make it to one that's floating. And the object is to try to get to the other side of this little moat river that these stones are in. Uh, the background music for that is from First Blood 2, Rambo First Blood Part 2. The scene where, where uh, Rambo escapes from the torture. That's the music that's playing. <laughs> all right, uh, next. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm just going to go through all the ones I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there is the boulder dash the avalanche run where there's you go up a mountain and this boulder is coming down at you a game that's uh kind of hard to translate into english but ball run boulder run all kind of work as titles Uh, if you're calling it by that but yeah you run up this giant chute and they roll boulders at you and uh there's some slits you can hide inside but there's some guards in there that'll push you out if you stay in there too long and the object is simple get to the top of the hill you want to know the background music yeah, go right ahead. It's an arranged version of the theme from Bomberman, the video game Bomberman. Whoa, I never knew that. <laughs> yep. All right, next we'll go with the Surfrider. What I call it Surfrider. It's a surfboard, it floats, rotating oh. surfboard at death on MXC. Mabakte Beach Boys and Gals game. Uh, spinning Beach Boys and gal- Gals. Um, and there's actually behind that game. Uh, the original version of that game was... Uh, it, it just was on a conveyor belt, and you went forward. Uh, and there was another game that you probably didn't see called Mobakte Komenichi, where you have two spinning boards that are spinning in opposite directions, and you have to jump from one board to the other. And apparently both games were boring, and no one liked them. <laughs> so they combined the t- so So, being ingenuitive, they combined the two, and they put the surfboard from the one game on one of those moving boards from the other game and created another game that ended up being much more popular. Uh, okay, now we'll get another infamous oh, one. Oh, by the way, uh, Jordan, oh, yeah, by the way, Jordan do you know what the, uh, the background music for that might be? Probably Surfing USA, if I had to take a guess. An instrumental version of Surfing USA. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, th- then we'll go with what I say is the infamous one. This is the uh, this is the big balls. This is the wipeout big balls of of, of Takeshi. Hey, we don't say that. <laughs> it's the log roll. There's a it's, roller game. Yeah, there's the high rollers. Some people say no. It's called roller game. It literally translates to roller game. There's no complicated translation. Roller game. Rora gameu. Roller game. Uh, seven. Originally there were three. Then there were five. And then they've ended with seven. Seven rollers, like rolling pins, at different levels that you have to run across. Which is the one that had the Fighting Spirit Award for me. Yeah, that guy should have won the Fighting Spirit Award. We're gonna that guy, which by the way, this guy we can't say his name because he's gonna get phone calls, which I've never found him. Uh, guy, if you're out there, you you have no clue. Even if you're listening to this, we you probably have no clue that we're talking about you. You should have won the Fighting Spirit Award. Uh, okay, Honeycomb Maze. It's the Honeycomb Hexagon no. Maze. No, no, it's called the Devil's Domain. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get like upset everyone at the Keshi heads message boards because of this it's called the devil's domain and it's uh it's it's a hexagonal maze shaped like a honeycomb and inside are usually two to three guards you have to make your way through the maze uh and try to get to the other side without being captured by the guards or 
picking a wrong door and falling into water. All right. Enter the Dragon, by the way. Or a, a version of the theme from Enter the Dragon is the background music, by the way. All right. Uh, then there was a variation with Square. <laughs> uh, that was the original, and then, then they changed it to the hexagons later. Uh, then there's the bridge. The rickety bridge with the volleyballs. Bridge volleyball. Gibraltar, Kaikyo. Gibraltar Straits. The Strait of Gibraltar. There's no Gibraltar there. They're over a net. But that's what it's called. So shut up. Uh, it's a yeah. Well, originally it was just a rope. Originally it was like a rope that spanned across, and you just had to kind of shimmy across it like like you would a rope. And then they thought, well, that's too easy. So let's add cannons. We'll fire these cannons, which you described the cannons. Uh, they are a volleyball launcher. Now, one yeah. uh, the general launches is a golden volleyball, which they must catch and bring to the other side. That's the game. Well, but that the- version came later. Originally, it was originally it was the rope. You just go across while they fired those cannons at you, and then they thought, well, that's too hard. So they built a bridge. They they changed it to a bridge, like a wire bridge on two wires, where they still fire the cannon at you. And then they changed it to a three wire bridge, uh, but they thought that was too easy. So they said, let's shake the bridge while you try to cross it, and we fire cannonballs at you. Uh, and then they thought that's too easy. So then they added little rocks on the bridge that you had to climb over. And then they thought, well, that's too hard. So, or that's too easy. So then they made the rocks bigger. And then they thought, well, that's too hard. And so then it wasn't until we get to the parent-child episode where we get the version that ultimately becomes the, the version that you would see going forward. Where the child launches a golden ball at the parent. The parent has to catch it and hold on to it and cross the bridge. Now we can get to... Theme from combat, by the way. I wonder how many iconic... I think that's like a few of the iconic... Okay, so now we can get to like the ones that are somewhat... uh, like, uh, the, there's a, like, there's a, there's a human pachinko machine game where they're in a pachinko ball. Oh, that, did you really watch that one? Okay, uh, Corinto de Pon, which, uh, I believe they played it five times, six times. Uh, and there's a rope swing game, there's a pole vault game, but those are just basic, <laughs> like, there's the Heaven fly, and the human fly. Oh, uh, Petanka, which, uh, if you speak Japanese, you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know what that translates to in English? What? You don't know what that translates Flat-chested. <laughs> it's something you would say to a woman with very small breasts. So Sorry. So you're telling me that the Takeshi's Castle had a few double entendres similar to that of MXC. That yes. A lot of these people complaining that ruin the integrity of the show don't know what they're talking about. Correct. Oh. There is that, oh, there's, what was that game with the raft where they had to push themselves on a raft and then they had to get to, like, the little arrow, and if they're a little behind, oh. they get pushed over? They go oh, over uh, yeah, it's called Bridge Over the River Kwai. That's actually, actually, that's a clever name. I'll give it and that. Guess what the, <laughs> yeah. guess what the song playing in the uh, background is? It's some movie. It might be from a movie that you may be familiar with. Well, tell uh, us. Take a guess. Okay, um, it's from this movie called Bridge Over the River Kwai. Ah. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. You can call it Bridge of the River Die if you want to be, like, loser comedy. Yeah. But right. that's not how you say die in Japanese. You say shine, which, um... Yeah, all right. Then there's, like, oh, variations the of, uh... Oh, the bowl... The, 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 we were talking about the, the bowling game. Oh, yeah, the bowling game where everybody comes up and they, uh... The general, or the... Yeah, general, uh... Tani, he's got ten play, giant playing cards numbered one through ten... And you pick a card, and that determines which bowling pin you're going to be. And they put you in a giant bowling pin, uh, stand you up, and then they roll a giant bowling ball down on you. And the object is simple. Don't fall down. 
it's one of the many quote unquote foam. I call it foam games when they're in a foam costume, so it's very tough for them to move. Yeah, there's one called I believe they call it Blueberry Hill in the UK. Uh, Daruma Sanga Koronda, where they have to go up a hill and that's it. <laughs> but it's yeah, they're slippery. wearing. <laughs> well, it's based on a children's game called, which is called Daruma Sanga Koronda. Mr. Daruma has fallen down. Where it's like red light, green light, basically. Where, well, like you know, the guy at the top. Where you, when I turn around, you have to stop, and if I catch you moving, then you you lose. Only in that version, they're wearing giant Daruma doll costumes. Then there, is, then there's one where they're dressed up like baseball gloves, trying to catch baseballs. Mm-hmm. Kimi Unokun, which doesn't really translate that well into English. Uh, we'll call you it catch fir- me if you can. <laughs> you for you for first child something some you well, Kun is child. Uh, 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 jump out, young child or first child, something to that effect. And then there is the variation where they were in the mud pit with the, well, I believe in other volleyball. I believe that was just like, what if we just make you catch a volleyball in thick mud? They launch a soccer ball in the air and just catch it. And that's one of the most infamous, uh, uh, I guess, wipeouts ever is the volleyball going very, very high in the air. And then just the camera keeps shooting up in the sky and panning down to catch it whacked right in the face. Mm-hmm. And she got a Fighting Spirit Award because they weren't stupid in that episode. <laughs> All right. Um, then there is the – the because you brought video games. There's the Gauntlet, the Gauntlet video game. Challenge. No, it's called The Adventure Zone. That, that That's a podcast with the McElroy Brothers. Uh, no, it's called the. Well, ours was first, so shut up, McElroy <laughs> nope. Brothers. It was called the Adventure Zone, where you have to run across this obstacle course where they uh, throw, try to throw, knock you off balance, and you have to jump on a trampoline. And then at the end, you have to swing on a rope across the other side, and you have to beat this giant uh, pink like alarm thing at the top of it. Uh, the music for that is from a video game that you may be familiar with uh, if you play video games called Fantasy Zone. Why would they call it Fantasy Zone and not Adventure Zone? Because, shut up. I'm just saying it's the game. I mean, Bridge Over the River Kwai. Uh, <laughs> they use that. Only, they were all that easy. Uh, anyway, then there's like, okay, so we got Gridiron, which was just like, a, get the football from one into the other. It's called The Longest Yard. Okay, so they're really going for movie titles for this, for some of yeah. these. But the music is not from The Longest Yard, so there you go. The music is from a production... Uh, music album called Achievers. It was by John Devereaux, uh, David Riley, and John Devereaux's uh, production music album. Right, so, uh, but but you have to get past a bunch of of guy. You get a football and you got to get past like seven guards dressed as giant football players. Okay, so then we got a. Uh, Cause we're just gonna go through. I'm trying to go as many off the top of my head that I can think of, okay. and I'm probably gonna screw up a bit. I've got uh, a list, so. Okay, so I'm, I'm so far I'm doing very well. <laughs> I'll say the title and then I'll correct you and say what the actual All what right, it would so actually then be there called. Is the, uh, the the I'm just gonna explain the game somewhat, and then you can tell me what it. Is. So they push the little pink ball and down the the pachinko machine, and then they have the little server and they have to catch the ball by diving into the mud. Yeah, um, it's I think we, we it's a tough one to translate, but uh, it basically translates as um. Don't drop the ball is what kind of a basic translation, or don't don't drop the ball, is what we call it. Um, and uh, the music for that is from an anime called Dominion Tank Police that you may be familiar with if you're an anime fan. By the way, this is gonna be majority of the episode. <laughs> is me is me giving you accurate titles? Well, there's also special episodes yes, and stuff like uh, that. Oh, the Dominoes, fuck Dominoes, shit. Well, no, it wasn't called fuck Dominoes, shit. It was just called. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> it was called Falling Dominoes or Never Dominoes, but it's basically giant dominoes, like sixteen of them, and you have to run across the tops of them. And then there's the corn cob slash mushroom because they both were similar. Uh, flying mushroom, mushroom pond. Which fun fact? The name for the game was determined via a mail-in contest, and the winner of that contest got to play the game on the show. Did they win? <laughs> yes. Whoa. Well, they didn't win like the chasm, and they won the challenge. <laughs> they won the challenge, yeah. Uh, and then there was the corn cob, si- similar. That came later. That was in a special, much much later. Uh, what else can I? Think and because of? it's a flying mushroom, what better music to go in the background of that than the theme from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? That's I can funny. think of I can think of no more appropriate song. Can you? Uh, the touch fuzzy get dizzy from Yoshi's Island. That came later, so no. And then for the corn version, it was a uh, music from Ranma One Half. So I would just play popcorn. Um. Oh. Uh. Okay. So let's see. Uh. Oh, we might as well bring up karaoke at this point. Karo karo. Uh, Machikari no Terebi, uh, Street Corner TV, which was based on an actual, which was named after an actual show in Japan. But basically, it's uh, you walk in and they give you a song title and you better sing it. Like you, if, if you don't know the song, you're out. You can then two large bouncers grab you and throw you out. That sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, and they, it didn't have a, and didn't really have a background music because it, you know, they. Different changed it. Songs. different songs by the way again if you're wondering why maybe the show is hard to find you know that might be one reason and it's also i think a game that doesn't really show on like the like challenge episodes in the uk or in international yeah. uh oh oh um the tour de grand prix one the uh midoriyama which actually i believe translates to midoriyama grand prix which is by the way midoriyama is where they filmed it just hence mount midoriyama for sasuke yeah. Which would make yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Which which doesn't make sense for American Ninja Warrior to use. No, <laughs> it doesn't, but still. It. They uh, should call it five, Mount, <laughs> Mount Mirage Casino. Five adults uh, on actual tricycles that have been kind of like gussied up to look like, uh, like uh, what do you call it? like dragsters, maybe. But they're just tricycles. And they basically have to go around a little, little itty-bitty course on these little tricycles. And the first three to finish move on. Um, From the Grand Prix, the movie, and then Celebration, which is uh, by the uh, band uh, uh, T-Square, which is a Japanese uh, funk band for the back. Okay, there was the game. Okay, so now we're... I'm going to save that for a little later. I'm going to save that one for a little later because I think that one's a special game. Uh, The final one? Okay. Uh, well, it's the one where you're te- you're you're on a raft and you're being pulled by a jet ski because it was a summer special. Oh, that was in the final episode, yeah. Which I uh, love. That that's one of my favorite games, <laughs> just because it's so simplistic in nature. So simplistic in nature and yet so unbelievably dangerous. Uh, the boy in the boat, by the way, is what it translates to. Uh, and you have to hold onto this little boat and try to land on a platform at the end and hop off it and land on a platform at the end. Uh, next is, oh, oh, the, uh, and that's also a water game. The, the, they have to go across the bridge, the water bridge, and then there's the guy running after them. Turtle, uh, turtle, hello, Mr. Turtle. The turtle, the, the, and they're, they're dressed to look, the, the bridge looks like turtles, right? Yes. Yeah. Hello, Mr. Turtle. Is that based off way, another, uh, ch- children's story? Um, n- not the turtle in the lucky that... box one. No, there is a. There's another. I don't think so. There's one later that is based on it, but uh, there's another one that's based off that story. But I don't think that one is. But turtles, 
I think kind of have a weird turtles have kind of, turtles have a, a very interesting uh, sort of view in Japanese culture. And we'll leave it at that. If you watch a lot of anime, you'll know that. Right. Uh, oh, the sumo wrestling where they get the draw number and they get weird. Yeah. And this, I think, is is interesting, is the fact that because you have five different sumo wrestlers mm-hmm. or five different types. You have one who's like a really weak guy. You have one who's like like a guy in a giant uh, costume that's very very hard to move. You have one who's like, you know, a big, you know, former baseball player guy. And then you have an actual sumo wrestler. And the funny thing is when they find out, they pull out that ball and they find out that they're going to go up against an actual sumo sumo wrestler, they still do it. Because it's fun. (laughs) Yeah, no one gets up there and says, well, I'm not going to win. So, so, you know, F that. I'm not getting in the ring. At least we never (laughs) see it. Like... They That's not going to mean America. Try. In America, they'll just scream, say, fuck, this is rigged. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Unless it's like, unless it's probably like a teenager who's like a, like a big fan of Jackass. It's like, yeah, I'll fucking do it. Fuck yeah. Which, by the way, people always compare the show to Jackass, which I feel is an inappropriate comparison. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like Jackass is totally different. Now, there's other stuff Takeshi did that is similar in nature to Jackass. This doesn't This doesn't really fall into that category. The, the Raft game, yeah. Okay, Raft we can probably compare. Uh, well, it's made out of foam core, so I don't know. Maybe it wasn't as dangerous as it looked. And there's sometimes where there's things where they, they look a lot more dangerous than they actually are. And then there's some that are actually just dangerous that they probably should not play, which we'll get to if we ever talk about the international versions. Oh, oh we're, we're almost done. We're almost, almost done. I think there's like five more games I want to talk about. The... the the okay. bowl game, which I always thought was a bowl. It's a teacup. Yeah. Uh, Dombra Coco. That's what it's called? Dombra Coco, which is based, which is, again, not something that translates very well, but it's based, it's a line from a famous children's story about a boy and a peach, and as the peach traveled down the river, it's it made a kind of an, a sound that sounded like Dombra Coco. Uh, all right. Um, oh, Oh, they did one version. Okay, so big version of roulette. They did once. Yep. They they did uh they did a a oh my favorite one. I forgot to talk about my, my favorite game. I was going through all the iconic ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the they slide down a hill and then there's signs that show off numbers. It's an equation like six plus two minus three, and they have to give their number. Yata right wakanai. Yata yaha wakanai. Oh no, I don't know. <laughs> Which is a perfect name. I think that's the perfect name for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and then there's uh, the, the Tour de Grand Prix where they're on the tricycle, the tiny trikes. We already talked about that. More I think that's about all I can I could think of on the top of my. Oh, uh, the deer game where they're wearing deer heads and get shot at. Oh, where they're shooting at guys wearing. Uh... Oh, there's the well, there's the version where they're shooting at guys wearing animal costumes. Yeah, that one. Yeah, uh, the Great Hunter is what it is called, and they played that game twice. All right, all right. I think that's about it. The only, like, fucked up ones I remember was when they had to go through concrete. <laughs> oh, it wasn't concrete. That was mud. It looked like concrete, though. It was very hard. It looked like concrete, but it was mud. Okay. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that's like, a good... I think we've said, like, maybe, like, 70 games, I think. In various... I, I don't think we... We talked about a lot. Which, by, by the way, can we talk about the mud a little bit and the water? You bet. And also your favorite the... game, too. My favorite games, well, because mine are a lot of, like the like I uh, what is it called? Um, oh, in the, the holes too. But yeah, 
at the end, we'll save that for the end. But I can't even I just I can't remember the, the name of my favorite game. Crap. Study the cards, where they're all dressed like giant hands and someone reads out an equation and they all have to jump on a card with the correct number. Oh, that's so it's almost like a variation of the one I like because it's math based, but also a bit slapsticky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so that's one of my favorites. And then there's the the other one where they're they're dressed like a giant bird, and they're they're attached to a pulley, like a uh, like a, a zip line, and they have to go down the zip line and pick up a bunny rabbit and put it in a bird's nest. Like a like a uh, like a foam bunny rabbit and put it in like a fake bird nest and if they do they win and if they don't they fire fire extinguishers at them. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, after all those games in some yeah. randomized position because some of these were the beginning games, some were the ender games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go through the big holes. Yeah, the uh, the man eating holes and before the man eating holes, there's a sketch with uh, two guys and they're usually dressed in costume. And the one you watched was Cobra versus Mongoose was the sketch, I think. You I probably think so. don't remember. You were probably drunk when you watched it and don't remember. Um, <laughs> there was one. There was one where one of them was dressed like Madonna and the other was dressed like Michael Jackson. Uh, there was one where they were again. They all. It was always a parody. So one of them was dressed like a caveman and the other was dressed like a dinosaur. One was dressed like Ultraman and the other was dressed like Gamera, and they fought <laughs> each other. And uh, but then they both jump into one of five holes, and the contestants run out, and they have to jump into one of the five holes and hope they don't jump into one featuring one of those two guards. And if they don't, if they do, they're out of the game. But if they don't, then they get to go to the final showdown. Yay! So it's basically blind luck. Uh, yes. So that's it. After all of these physical games, <laughs> they make it to the final round where you can win roughly eight grand. You can. You have to basically get a 60% chance of survival. Yeah. And then sometimes there's a couple episodes where a bunch of people like come in and they pick the same hole and the guards will get pissed and they'll jump out of the hole they were in and jump into that hole. Oh, like randomize it. Like they'll move. Like they'll get pissed that everyone's picking the same hole and it's not one that they're in. This sounds really sexual now that I'm saying it out loud. Um, they're, they're pissed that they're not picking the hole that they're in, and so they'll climb out of the hole and then jump into that hole. That's why the game's called Glory Hole. If it had been used on MXC, that's what it would have been called. No, I guess they already did that with the 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 wall. They call with uh the bigger version of the the wall. They called that Holes to Glory, oh. Great Holes to Glory. So right sorry. to our Ken. Uh, so that's the. So we I think we went all the way back now to the final round where they're now in the little carts. They have to shoot. The water guns at Takeshi. He gets a bigger gun. He gets more water. And apparently, there's something that's not up and up with his target. So, uh, everybody has these little paper targets on the front of their cars. And everybody has a water gun. And Takeshi's got, like, a a big... He's got the big water gun. He's got, like, the super soaker, if you will. Everyone else kind of has, like, the little water pistol. Takeshi's got a super soaker. Uh, with a lot of water and a lot of power. But uh, so the thing that's not as well known is the fact that Takeshi's paper, uh, ring, the ring that he has, uh, is covered uh, with waterproof, water pooled lacquer on it. So, yeah, just to make it that much harder or impossible. I wonder why different. there's not a big win rate. Yeah. Um, and then they change it to lasers sometime later. Uh, episode 88, they change it to laser guns. And the very first time they changed it to laser guns, somebody won. So, 
amazed by this. And that is essentially what Takeshi's Castle was. It's this mix of variety games like Press is Right, and then it got international appeal. And that's where we're going to go to now. We're going to get on our plane and fly overseas. Are we going to talk about the, the versions that were made in other countries, or are we going to talk about the edits of the show that we saw? Oh, all of the above. All of the above. Okay, well, let's talk about the versions first. Because first, let's get on our magical plane to the Netherlands. Or, no, the where cloud. We had... The cloud. <laughs> the, oh, the plane or I, guess we, I guess we have to go to the paddle boats to get to the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, we'll go to the Netherlands, where we have Way of Life show, which was uh, a 13-episode se- series featuring some of the games from Takeshi's Castle in the Netherlands. And the winners of that got brand new cars. The more money than they would if they were on. Because even mm-hmm. in 87, like eight grand is barely enough for a car. So. Yeah. And then we'll get, now we'll get on our magical cloud and we'll go to the land of Taiwan where there was 100, where we had Ever Victorious, which was uh, more, kind of more like MXC, where everybody was divided into teams and they all played games and the winning teams got prizes. And they all played various games from Takeshi's Castle, including some games that were made for that version. Ooh, are a few yeah. examples, or...? Uh, there was one game where they... Oh, because they actually filmed an episode, uh, like a special in Taiwan, uh, where they have... Um, it was sort of like... Um, what was the American Gladiators game where they had the giant cotton swabs? Oh, a Joust. It was sort of like Joust, where they're standing on a little platform. They, it's it's kind of like the sumo. They pull a ball out of a box, and it determines who they have to joust. And that actually sounds pretty funny. And I think, yeah. t- wasn't there Takeshi's Castle modern day reboot thing that they then translated to Comedy Central with Jonathan Wass doing the commentating? Takeshi Joe. So oh, do we want to skip the American versions for now and come back to them later? So I in think 2000... we'll that for last, because I think that is... In 2015, is... uh, I believe, Thailand got a version of Takeshi's Castle, which followed the original format pretty closely. So... You got a version in Thailand, and then people in Indonesia were like, hey, we want a show like that. And so then they made it in Indonesia. And then people in Vietnam were like, hey, we want a show like that. And so then you had Takeshi's Castle Vietnam. And all all three of those played very similar to the original show. Down to the water gun battle at the end. I don't know if those ones were rigged, but... It depends on probably which country. Uh, uh, UK was translated. Was there was never a UK version? It was just a translated version of Takeshi's Castle episodes with Craig Charles. No, 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 uh, no, not translated. Because I talked to the producers. They they flat out told me we never had a single translation. Everything was just stuff we made up. But they only showed the games. And even some of those games, they didn't even show all of them because they barely right. showed the the Gila douche character. No, they never showed, and they never showed the Takeshi sketches that he would do. Which I would say are the two best moments. It's that, the general, it's it's anything involving interacting with the contestant is the best part of the mm-hmm. show. Because you can wipe out as many times as you can, but there's comedy around it, too, that there's branches mm-hmm. of comedy in there, from the comedy duos of Japanese stand-up to conversational pieces that would be in modern. Mm-hmm. You see, and a friend of mine who's a Takeshi's Castle fan made a very good point, which is, uh, Jordan may not agree with this, but whatever, go to hell. Uh, Takeshi's Castle really isn't a game show. It's a variety show. It, it's a game show. That's why it's on game shows, I suppose. <laughs> okay, fine. If it'll get you. Okay, so so I guess that means that Jimmy Kimmel Live is a game show, but okay, whatever. Well, I mean, like, I mean, for, for instance, they put, like, bits from Kimmel I'm sorry, uh, like, not Kimmel. Uh, well, I didn't know they did. Big Fan. Big Fan was a Jimmy Kimmel bit that became its own game show. 
Yeah. And yeah, I was going to say Fallon. Fallon did Jimmy that. Fallon. His lip sync yeah. battle. And mm-hmm. and then Corden, because they did that with Drop the Mic. Okay. Which, I, but which, by the way, none of those are fun shows. <laughs> I don't like them. They're, none of them are Takeshi's Castle. None of them. No, I would rather watch Takeshi's Castle over any of those any day. <laughs> and you don't watch it with subtitles, so you'd much rather watch not knowing what's going on than watch something you know that's going on. That's it's just boring. It's one of those occasions where I don't even prefer dubs over subs. It's just I, I just see some guy just cheer on going yata or whatever, fighting spirit, and then like face plane into mud. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to Takeshi laughing his ass off, and it cuts to the guy asking, "What's happened there? Why did you do that?" Because <laughs> that's all I can assume was what the field reporter said. It's like, "What is wrong with you? Why did you go that a l- way?" A lot of them were uh, like, "So, smart, can you smile for the camera?" And because in Japan, and something someone pointed out to me that I didn't realize until much later, women in Japan don't like showing their teeth. I don't know if it's still the way. At the time, it was. Like, women in Japan don't like showing their mouths. When they laugh, they tend to cover their mouths. I don't know if you noticed that watching. They, they do. I always thought that's because they're blushing. They wanted to. Sort of. Sort of that. that but it's, it's, it's a thing. Like, they don't show their mouths, so they tend to cover their mouths when they laugh. Uh, and so it'll say, like, hey, smile for the camera. Smile for the camera, and they'll smile, and then they'll blush and cover their mouth. Aww. But it's stuff like that. Or he'll, or he'll say, hey, you have a nice ass. <laughs> So it's not so it's not even that far different from MXC, which is where we're going no. next. <laughs> no. Well, no. Let's go. To, well, do you want to do? Can we do? Oh, you know, the, yeah. Let's the, do. The let's pilots. do. Yeah, we'll do uh, Storm the Castle and King of the Mountain. So King. Well, King. We got to do King of the Mountain first because King of the Mountain came first, and uh, we'll go there via lim- we go, we'll go there via limousine and hang out at UCLA in our cowboy outfits. Um, <laughs> that was exactly what happened in the inter. We're referencing, by the way, this international video. <laughs> which yeah. Which I'm afraid if we link it, people are going to go to it, and then TBS is going to find out about it, and they're going to take it down because oh, they're pretty strict about yeah, they're pretty strict about that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, we'll we'll go there, and uh, but there were two pilots that were commissioned by by Fox Square Productions. Uh, one was hosted by John Matuzak, the other was hosted by John Mulrooney and Judy Toll. You got it wrong in the encyclopedia. Of game shows, guys who wrote the encyclopedia of game shows, Fred Wasbrock, may he rest in peace. You got her name wrong. It's Judy Toll, T-O-L-L, may she rest in peace too. Uh, and that one was basically uh, filmed in 1988, and uh, was never, and it wasn't shown in America until 1990. And uh, it was uh, basically the last survivor gets a thousand dollars and a trip fun sounds like fun yeah. sounds like they didn't even bother with like any of the conflict of the of an antagonistic host nope no antagonistic hosts no guards no 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 fun so no pickup and then storm the castle with michael berger and nelly galan which michael berger and or nelly galan if you're listening to this uh, please let me talk to you i i've tried to reach you and i can't Michael Berger, please if, do 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 ask Josh Mike, if, first. If Josh you are Michael Berger, if you know Michael Berger's agent, please get in contact with me. Um, but that one was filmed at Universal Studios, same as Family Challenge season two. <laughs> yep, and uh, they uh, basically did a bunch of much more brightly colored. It was almost like Takeshi's Castle meets Family Double Dare. Which I guess is what uh, they're trying to go for, considering they got Berger as host. Yeah, and and uh, it was produced there, and the Winning team, and it was played with families. 
So the winning team, I guess, at the end of it, they played this weird kind of final thing with balloons and water go-karts. Uh, and the winning team got $15,000, and that aired on NB- and, and that aired on ABC and did not get picked up. Uh, and you want, to, you want to know a funny story before we get to MXC? Of course. That Paul Abeda told me. Paul Abeda, the producer of MXC, told me. Of course. He told me this on the record. He said, I got a note from Vindabona or a phone call from Vindabona. And Vindabona, he said, I, who I had never, who he had never met before. And Vindabona gave me this call. He said, "Congratulations, you figured out how to make it work." Because Vindabona, which by the way is the is executive producer of America's Funniest Home Videos, which is a game show, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> hey, it's the title. Uh, and and because he, but he took America's Funniest Home Videos from Kato Champ in that variety format. Yep. And uh, that wasn't the only one. He did a bunch, some that I am sure I will be invited to talk back on, because if you don't, then you're an idiot. And so you're now the officially the Japanese translating comedy. Well, who else is going to be on here to talk about the big showdown? I mean, or the big, di- but not the big showdown, the big moment, I'm sorry. Yeah, who else is going to talk about that? Big showdown, you really want the giant dice show? <laughs> I was like, no. what? Yeah, I want the giant dice show where there's only like one episode left, where Jim Peck nearly dies. He falls on the stairs, that made me laugh. And, uh, yeah, you, know, no, you, know, big... you know the funny thing about that clip? Can I digress a little bit about yeah, that go clip? Ahead. You may already know this. It's in the one of the books. He did an interview in this book, and he says, "I still get royalties from like random countries that show that clip in like in their like you know wacky game show moments." So I he's apparently Jim Peck still gets like thirty cent checks from <laughs> random countries that use that clip of him falling down the stairs. Thank you, Jim Peck. Uh... <laughs> Thank you for being a good sport. Thank you. <laughs> you no, got, big you moment got... was uh, was we're not going to go into that game show yet. Uh, that was the one where it was here is like a big stunt for you to try to do, and you get a prize for everyone in your family. Yeah, and it was well, based on a format in Japan called Happy Family Plan. That's right, and it was hosted by Brad Sherwood, and it was basically yeah, like and... you know pull the t- pull the tablecloth, and if you don't knock down anything to Orlando, and that was also produced by Vin Devono. The Bona is hey, that's so he he. I think that's going to be the storyline for at least American Translate. Vindabona is a Japanese, like, he loves Japanese formats, and he wants to bring them to America. That's always been, like, his M.O. And I don't he, know if he loved Japanese formats, but he definitely liked the money that they pulled in. And he didn't pull it off with, with Storm the Castle. Mm-hmm. Vindabona, if you're listening to this, I would love to talk to you. I doubt you're even going to pick up the phone to call me, but I would love to talk to you about the Japanese formats you've done. Vin Bona, why didn't you at least get me to audition as the host of America's Funniest Home Videos? That hurt my feelings. Oh, well. <laughs> I was uh, fine with it. Uh, fine. Oh, well. Uh, now we move on to I the one that's on. not a game show. This one is yeah. de- technically not a game show. Oh, are you going to play Firebrand here? Then I won't do I it. I will probably play it somewhere in the middle of this episode. Okay. Yeah. okay. MXC, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. And this is not a game show, but it's presented to be similar to a game show. This is something that would be on the Patreon paywall if we had to, but yeah. we're giving it to you for free. As a longtime uh, listener of the show, unless this is your first episode, <laughs> in which case, why would this be your first episode? Uh, <laughs> it may be for some people, because again, this Takeshi's Castle and MXC have huge followings, and they're going to want to hear me talk about it, because as we all know, I'm the greatest person ever, uh, Maybe. Uh <laughs> Your name's Jordan, right? Yes, it's Jordan. Okay. Okay. Th- thanks, Justin. Um, so, see, the joke uh, is that I can't remember Jordan's name. You see? It's it's a recurring bit. Um, 
Some, I don't know if it's a bit so much as I actually do, because I have a friend named Justin who I talked about. Yeah. This won't make it into – this isn't going to be in the final cut, is it? Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Okay. Uh, MXC, MXC, MXC. The, so, so, Ameri- so new yeah. net, the TNN, the new TNN, because they had the National Network, now it's a National Network. They had a few game shows like Oblivious and Taboo, and this was a primetime show that stuff. aired on Sundays. I believe it aired right before they did their cartoon block of like Ren and Stimpy and Stripperella and Gary the Rat. And then MXC, then they bought MXC and gave it the uh, Thursday nighttime slot. And producers Paula Beta, Larry Strother, and Peter Kaiko. Uh, Paula Beta, Paul, I love you. If you're listening to this, you're one of the you're somebody who deserves more credit than you get. Uh, came up with the idea of taking a Japanese show and redubbing it and changing it completely, not translating it, not remaking it. So they took, they went to a, a, a tape facility, a place that has like, you know, all these tapes from all these countries. And they looked at about 50 to 60 shows and Takeshi's Castle was the one that they went with. And so they said, now let's figure out a storyline for this show. And so they changed the story to be about, uh, so Takeshi became Vic Romano and Vic Romano was like a, uh, he was one of like the top news journalists in the country. You know, he interviewing, he was like a Tom Brokaw type who ended up blowing his career when he threw up on the president during an interview. <laughs> and then he took, then he tried to punch the president's wife. One of my favorite uh, bits with Kenny and Kenny, Kenny, who's basically uh, that guy in the back of the class who has absolutely no life skills whatsoever yet through just kind of random happenstance and luck always seems to sort of succeed through 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 complete idiocy and they're thrown together as commentators for this kind of weird uh variety this weird sort of extreme sports competition and then you have uh the general who is now captain Tennille, and captain he's been to kneel you get get music route yeah. uh, ask your ask your dad ask your dad uh and he's basically as uh, the John Cervenka, the voice of Captain Tennille, once said, he's basically a right-wing bully. And John Cervenka also was, in Game Show Words, uh, Burt Ludden. <laughs> Burt Ludden. Burt Ludden's love buffet. John, if you're listening, I love you. Uh, well, I don't love you, but you know what I mean. I like You love Burt Ludden's love buffet so much. Yeah. Um, but he basically, at the beginning, he would ask the contestants a question. It would usually be, how many of you think that... How many of you kids think that you'd be better off if your parents disciplined you through polite reasoning, a reward system? Yeah. Well, you're all wrong. Spineless parenting just creates self-centered, spoiled brats whose futures will consist of traveling across this country, picking up homeless drifters, and then murdering them. (laughs) You, sir, you, sir, you seem to be really uh, on board with this. Hey, you in the front row. Porkros, what do you do? I play video games that desensitize me to violence. Well, if there's any justice in the future, you're going to be in jail with this guy's dad. <laughs> and then everyone's laughing. Like, ha, yeah. ha, ha. that, And that's essentially the comment. And then they go through, like, maybe three, four games of... of usually of, four. And it's usually teams. We didn't talk about the teams. Usually it's just random-ass teams. Like, people, like, uh, people who are educators versus people who work outdoors or... Cart- oh, uh, meat handlers in the cartoon voiceover industry was a pilot episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah, my personal f- personal favorite, baked goods versus people who are pissed off <laughs> about stuff. It makes, and and it, basically, the the teams are just to be cannon fodder for the fake characters they create. Yeah. 
They have random. Oh, we didn't talk about Guy Lashauer. Oh, yeah, Guy LaDouche. Yeah, Guy LaDouche, the perverted interviewer who interviews contestants, who surprisingly, the, again, I go back to, I've told Paul this, I've told a lot of people on MXC this, it's amazing how close some of the MXC stuff comes. It's kind of creepy. Yes, how it comes. Yeah. Yeah, how clo- yeah. Boo, how close their their dialogue comes to the original, because Guy is kind of a perv. Yeah, Guy, I don't know if you ever noticed this watching MXC. Guy's kind of a little bit of a perv. I don't know if you ever picked up on that. Yes, he, he 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 slapped a girl's butt a couple of times. Yeah, he doesn't. He he's not. It's you kind of got to watch to be to to see it in order to uh, to kind of catch up on it. But it's it's subtle. It's subtle. But Guy does have a little bit of a perversion to him. And uh, I think my uh, the Guy quote that I will give you just to give you an idea is uh, it was hobbyists versus uh, fast food work or food workers. And Guy's quote is, "I loved." This show is so exciting. I was a food worker in college, and my hobby was fingering the food. Ah. And then they play, like, four of the games, so it wasn't, like, the full Takeshi castle. It was like, okay, sinkers and floaters for the for the the, the, the stone run, or, or they would call it... Uh, what they would it? change the name to something American. Like, yeah, it's, and it's always a double entendre. They were full yeah. double entendre. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think my favorite game title, uh, Dead End Zone. That's that's a good one. And oh, they, hand job. Oh yeah, hand job was. Well, wasn't that the one that you like? Because that's the one they're in. Glo- yeah, yeah, where they're in giant hand costumes. And but but they instead of it being the math question, they would ask something like how many. They would ask you know questions about the day's topic. So for the adventure episode, it's you have just gotten stranded in your plane has crashed in the Andes Mountains. Uh, how many ounces of meat can you expect from the average co-pilot's left bicep for survival? <laughs> and of course, and of course, the correct answer is five. And then my person, which again, I love the, I love the, I love the tactfulness and the tastefulness of the show, and how respectful they are. Which is the episode where they did about men's magazines and the question. Uh, as we all know, Larry Flint was gunned down for his defense of our First Amendment rights. How many times a day must his assistant change his colostomy bag? <laughs> Vic, uh, Vic, Vic says, and tragically, the answer is ten. So you know, uh, it's and the the format they go is basically be, is about like is somewhat in the same cut as the Takeshi's Castle, where yeah. it's the fail, the fail, the fail, and then if they complete the game, they get one point for their team, and whoever has the most points wins. And what do they win? Um, it's Brent. never really established what they never win. established, and they always joke about that. Like, what do they win? Oh, Kenny, well, this is the video game episode, Kenny. Oh, where it's like uh, there there was an episode where they did like the video game awards and they gave away like video games and it's like and in honor of your video game achievement we're gonna be donating one million dollars in each of your names to the Get a Life Foundation yay and Kenny goes hey Vic is that real money Kenny of course it's not real money it's just a prop oh well are we gonna give them anything and and Vic goes uh yeah they're gonna get the first season Ultimate Fighter DVD and a Blade beach towel. <laughs> those gifts suck and the thing was this was like right in, this wasn't early seasons because early seasons had the cult phenomenon already a stat like build up and and yahoo mm-hmm. groups alt tv yeah and that's like that 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 yahoo group was like the largest non-porno fan group of any yahoo group out there shout outs to peelbacks <laughs> uh, were you uh, friends with were you friends with brooke peelbacks of course oh do you still keep in contact with her no, not not at this point like about oh. like six years ago 
if you can get her contact, I'd love to talk to her. So, I, I, and Brooke, I, if you are listening to this, please contact me. And I, for a while there, did like fan fiction of MXC because it really was just like fake. T- it was basically just assume what the wipeouts were and just write names and characters and the dialogue. And, and the show, the show was always better when it wasn't really celebrity driven. Like when it was just average Joe. Here's average Joe in season four and five. They they were forced to do more celebrity driven episodes. Celebrity driven documentary to, makers. It'd be like famous, you know, like cheating cheating husbands versus you know jilted wives and. The ex- uh, it was chick- bec- but the executives changed, right? That was why. The executives at Spike changed, and they fought tooth and nail. But uh, but that being said, some of the funniest stuff they did is in some of those seasons, like the Howard Stern episode. I think may be the funniest episode they ever did. And so if you're out there listening, watch the Howard Stern episode. And I'm not even a big Howard Stern guy. It's just it's just funny. I am the oh don't forget TNA versus uh, WWE. WWE and TNA wins because they just picked up TNA and yeah. things like that. That I think a lot of people just started to go oh. Also, they started repeating the same wipeouts. You mean use, reusing footage? Yeah, like we saw. Yeah. I saw it tw- twice. The the soccer ball face plant i don't know if they ever reused that footage but uh, again i talked to paul he said we could have easily done a hundred we easily could have done a hundred more episodes without reusing footage and there was rumor for a long time and i can tell you right now that the show ended mxc ended because they ran out of footage no not true they had plenty of footage that is not why the show ended ended because uh, look all you gotta do is just do the glory hole game like just call it glory hole. You fall in the hole. We don't know what's in it, and then you can assume like, oh, it's a giant blender, or oh, it's a alligator, and they're gonna maul the guy. Well, some some bright, brilliant mind at Spike TV had the wise idea of moving it from Thursday at uh, I think I guess 9 p.m., which would be the time slot, to midnight on Friday at midnight, which you know everyone is crowded around the TV at midnight on a Friday. It's the ultimate date night experience. You. Your your alcohol of choice and Kenny Blankenship going, yeah, ha, 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 yeah. Baba Ganoush. The ratings dropped. Gee, I wonder why. They wanted to get rid of that show in favor of oh yes, the, the Ultimate Fighter, Ink Master. Now, when you think of Spike TV, what do you think of? Honestly. I think of uh, Axe Body Spray in in Monster <laughs> Energy Drink and that dude at the gym that really loves like tribal tattoos. Let me rephrase the question. What show comes to mind first when you think of Spike TV? For me, it would always be MXC. Yeah, exactly. And when MXC went, hey, guess what doesn't, guess MXC's no longer around. Guess what else isn't around anymore? Mansers. Spike TV. Mansers. How many farts can you put in your ass? Mm-hmm. Or, or, and then they try to, but then because of MXC's success, they try to do Hey Spring a trivia from different people. Yeah, and that was just like a, I don't know how well that was translated. I don't think that was translated super well. Well, and everyone and their brother at the time MXE came out realized, hey, wait a minute, Japanese shows. Maybe we can make this work in America. And let me tell you right now, all you people out there that are watching, sorry, I had to burp. Let me tell you people out there right now, all you people out there watching Ninja Warrior, yeah, there would be no Ninja Warrior if it weren't for MXC. Or I would say Iron Chef at the very least. Because that came first, if we're going by Japanese translations. First came Iron Chef, 
But that was a theatrical, and Food Network basically just got all Iron Chef everything, and that's why it's all food comps now. Oh, okay, but there, there's one big facet of MXC we need to talk about that I think is very important that I think people don't pick up on. That And Paul has said, everyone said this, guess what they never, ever reference on MXC? They never reference the current administration. No, they reference the current administration a lot. They never reference Japan. Never do they acknowledge that the footage you are watching is Japanese. They make no Asian references whatsoever. So no jokes about Japanese people. Nope. Well, actually, no. There was there was one instance where there was one, and I I brought this up and like, okay, so there's one. So that's uh, uh, here's John Scrary, former presidential candidate, and Kenny says, yeah, he keeps wanting to deploy the troops to Oklahoma, and Vic goes, no, Kenny, he wants to deploy them to Okinawa, and Kenny goes, oh. Is that anywhere near Oklahoma? And that's really more of a Kenny is an idiot joke than a Japanese. Japan. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, it unfortunately reaches untimely demise. But hey, it's on Tubi TV now. I believe it's on Hulu, maybe? Not and- anymore. Oh, okay. Then it's Tubi TV. And you can buy it on Amazon, and you should buy it on Amazon, because frankly, the people that made MXC deserve the money. And shout outs to Bumblefoot for the theme song. <laughs> yeah. Ron Dahl, I know you don't do interviews, but if you just have a quick comment about doing the theme, I'd love to hear it. Oh, yeah, so. and Mary Shear, bring that. Mary Shear was every woman, every girl. Yes, Mary Shear played every woman on that show, except for the heavyset women. Occasionally, Chris Darga would play the heavyset women. And Mary Shear was in Mad TV original. Yeah. So. <laughs> Mary, if you're listening to this, thank you for letting me interview you that one time. Everyone there is very fun. And also, uh, what you're is hilarious. it? Uh, 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 Rocket Vic Power. Romana. Rocket Power was Vic, The late, great Vic Wilson, Victor, uh, in, who is in heaven right now. Victor, if you are hearing me right now, I love you, and I am pissed every day that I can't talk to you. And so, and a lot of people are pissed, too, that they can't talk to you. I think that is a fascinating part. There's only one question left to answer, because now we went through almost everything to Keshi's Castle. Okay. Should the show be revived? If so, How? Uh, they did a special revival in 2005 in Japan, very brief. It was like a special where they had celebrities play uh, – great. I got to use the UK names because if I don't, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. I hope you're happy, America. Uh, they played Skipping Stones and they played Bridge Ball uh, for points. And it was a big celebratory deal. Um, should the show be revived? Absolutely not. What? Uh, and certainly should not be brought. certainly should not be brought back in the U.S., uh, that was my next question. Should come to America, like the no. Almost Life special, Geeks versus Greeks. Uh, I, now that I would watch. If they did an MXC in America, I would watch that. But like, there's no way you can't do MXC without Vic and Kenny, and uh, there's no way to do it without Vic. I, I will say that right now. Uh, there's no way you can do that show without Vic Romano and Kenny Blankenship. And uh, sad because we don't have Vic anymore. So you don't want to try your best to a hundred people, and then like take out the Universal Studios backdrop and try some of those games, knock them out. I love that they had to blur the Nickelodeon logo, but they didn't have to blur Jimmy Neutron in that special, by the way. It's Spike TV is owned by Viacom. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. What? I don't know if, which by the way, by the by, originally they weren't going to overdub it. They were, they were going to have the Vic and Kenny characters do it, but they weren't going to overdub it. And at the last second, someone said, let's just dub them out and put in our own shots like normal. <laughs> and so there's and some of them were really funny including there's one guy who actually says and maybe you remember this where a guy runs up and says it doesn't matter what i say you're just gonna dub over it later 
Yeah, wasn't it the only guy who actually like got away with not being dubbed over? I think they dub it over, but he still. But they just said what he said, and they're like, "What the hell is he talking? Overdub? What? We should have overdubbed his run." Oh man, that's fun. Um, <coughs> I, I mean, I think there's some way to do this, but I don't know how. I don't know. It's a tough nut to crack. Uh, Hence, uh, Vindabona. He flat out said. I, he told Paul, and I have no doubt that this is true. He said, "You figured it out. MXC was how you did it in America." And considering there's American Ninja Warrior now, and Wipeout kind of showed up. Well, yeah. Now they'd have like two commentators, and it'd be like, "Whoa, that guy! You know, he just look. You got let. Let's go to the replay. You could see right here he does this flip, and this flip. You know, you could see his legs. Like, oh, come on. Oh, oh, oh nice. Holy moly is coming soon to ABC. Oh, blow me. It's. <laughs> It's a it's a freaking it's a freaking Japanese variety show. Like, are we seriously going to talk over it like it's like it's like it's a you know freaking you know X Games thing? Yeah. So we already established what your favorite Takeshi's Castle game is, right? Right. You know my favorite MXC game? Uh, sure. Um, I again the uh, the Tour de Grand uh, the, the Tower de Grand Prix probably is my favorite. All right. Um, oh, hey, it's now time for the ending part of the show. Hey, got yeah. the five questions here. Uh, okay. You might have heard of this. We have a lightning round. We have five questions. Okay. Each question get ready. You get one plug. Five plugs available. Okay. You want to play it? I will not make the eye. Uh, no. Okay, then we're good. No, okay, I'll play. All right. <laughs> what If somebody refused to play, would you do that? Yeah. Okay. I, I will. I will. Uh, we, do the, it, we just stand still th- the show. It's over. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Well, I don't know what the pricing game is going to be. So, uh, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get to talk about the pricing games. So, you know. I think for anyone where you'll be, it'll be probably a cliffhanger. It'll probably be cliffhangers because we'll be right around the seventy-seven. Ooh, ooh, and you know that that was an actual song, right? Yes. Okay, and you better get the title of the song in the thing when you. Oh, when we're you gonna read the wiki. It. So it's probably right there. I think it is, but. Yeah. All right. So let's put six seconds on the clock. Okay. What is Danny doing right now? Danny just texted us, letting us know that it is raining in St. Louis. That it was well. What is your favorite MXC episode? Uh, uh um, that uh, it's a tie between Howard Stern versus Hollywood Addicts and at and rehabbers and Oil versus Makeover. What game would you perform the worst at? Um. Uh. Oh. Um. Uh. Do you want the MXC title or the original title? Any, any doesn't matter. Karo, 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 machikari no terebi. What is that game. mystery muck? Uh, it is uh, in reality. What is it? No, just it can do anything. It doesn't matter. Uh, it is t- well today. It is uh, septic sludge from the Father Damien. Br- it's stamp squeezings from the Father Damien branch of the post office. Name something we can both agree on. Uh, we can both agree that MXC was Spike TV, and Spike TV was MXC. You did five. Yes. <laughs> Yes! Five! I did it! That was a, that was close. That was really cutting it close. How, how much time? How much time? About eight seconds. Okay. So you nailed it. That You made a very intense ending. Yes. <laughs> and you got five plugs. What would you like to plug? Okay, uh, game show fans podcast with myself and Danny Lewis, and occasionally Rich, and maybe Jordan, if I can remember his name. You and we talk about game shows and stuff. Okay, uh, plug number two. I have been looking for 11 BGMs that were used on Takeshi's Castle for a long time. 
Uh, look up BGM Challenge Playlist. I'm going to give the link to Jordan. He's going to put it in the show notes because I'm going to beat oh. him if he doesn't. Oh, no, absolutely. Oh. Uh, and if you can identify any of those, if you're the first, let me emphasize that, if you're the first to identify it, I can give you a reward. Now, you got to be the first. And by the way, this is not endorsed by TBS or anyone like that. Uh, and no, they were not composed for the show. Stop asking that. Uh, these were pre-existing tracks. If, you, if you're the first to identify any of them, talk, I can get you a prize. Um, if you or anyone you know was on Takeshi's Castle or any Japanese show, please get in contact with me. Uh, I would love to talk to them. Uh, if you were, and this, this is going to be the, the challenging one, um, if you're, we're, we're looking for the translator who was in this episode, and we don't know a whole, we know her name, we know her name was Aliska Nocelli, or Nocheri, we have no clue how to spell it in English. Uh, she was from Czechoslovakia, we believe that she worked for TBS Studios, uh, and as far as we can tell, we don't think she was an actress. We don't think anything like that. We think she was just a translator interpreter who worked for the studio. Uh, so if you know someone named Aliska who was in Japan in 1988 who worked as a translator, please get in touch with Jordan or myself. Uh, and plug number five. You yes. need a fifth plug? Um, uh, uh, six plugs. We're going to do six because shut up, Jordan. No, I, be, I guess I better not do that one. You need a six plug. No, no, no. It's it's. I, I'm tr don't put this in the final edit. Um, okay. Well, I'll give you the fifth plug, and then I'll tell you after the fact. Okay. Fifth plug. Uh, ben and Zane. Ben Rahel. I don't know if I should say their last names. Ben. Ben and Zane do a podcast called the Carton Cast, spelled C A R T O N Cast. It they they talk about cartoons, so you don't have to watch them. Uh, I'm gonna be on in a few weeks to talk about a cartoon uh that i watched in 2002 uh that uh someone involved with mxc uh worked on woobly woobly uh, no not woobly what the hell is woobly 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 the, the rocket power when they uh when they, they already talked about that was their first episode they already talked about rocket power and actually they don't know that i knew someone who created it so uh uh no so i'll tell i'll tell you once we're done recording Okay, we got all five. Uh, that's it. J Congratulations, Josh McLeod. You are a big winner today. Yes. Do I win the Fighting Spirit Award? You do, and and not only that, let's let's sign off the way they would do on the on the MXC. What do okay. we always say? Don't, Don't get get eliminated. eliminated. Do you want to try that again so that yeah, we get yeah, it? Yeah, let's do it again. Let's pick up one, two, three, count me one, two, three, go. Okay, one, two, three, go. Don't, Don't get, get eliminated. eliminated. Okay, one last time. One Don't. last time. <laughs> okay, there's a pause between. Don't get eliminated. All right. One, two, three. Don't, Don't get, get eliminated. eliminated. You can fix that in post, I'm sure. Thanks again to Josh. Uh, I put him down for the next upcoming episode to have him on for Legends of the Hidden Temple because just like uh, Takeshi's Castle, he's also a diehard fan of Legends. And look, that that was such a, a deep dive that there was stuff even I didn't know. And there was some stuff that even I forgot to bring up and, and stuff that right immediately after that 
interview, Josh was like, "You for- we forgot to talk about these things, like the summer specials, which were these beach-themed ones that were so fun, uh, winter specials, where it was played in the snow and there was a lot more sledding-themed challenges. Uh, there were college girl specials where all the contestants were, of course, college-age women, so you know, guys, hang on. Uh, international contestants were often a, a, a repeat guest special. They would bring people from all over the world to, to stop by. And one that, that Josh actually explained was the parent and child specials, these family editions of Takeshi's Castle, where it was, you know, a daughter and the mother or, or the father and son or any kind of combination of two. And there were all these fun slapstick games where it was basically the the kids got one on their parents. And they were played for laughs, but also still played in normal Takeshi's Castle fashion. It's time for Jordan Haas's Top 10 Obstacles of the Day. Number 10, it's the dominoes. They gotta go from one into another and try not to fall over. The real question is, who resets it? Number nine, it's the jet ski. Going 40 miles an hour on a jet ski seems like fun until you're on the uh, saving end of the raft. Number eight is a game where all they gotta do is catch a ball in a silver gauntlet. No matter what, they're gonna be taking a face plane to messy muck. Number seven, it's the Velcro swing. Yes, they're dressed like a fly and they're gonna hit a wall no matter what, but rather not they can stick the landing, that's another story. In number six, it's a game where they are inside the ball going down the pachinko machine. Will luck be on their side or will they be out? Number five, it's the bridge game. Yes, they're gonna go from one to another on a shaky bridge, but try doing that while getting hit in the face with a volleyball. Number four, they're in a bowl, they gotta go slide down the hill. Will they get tipped over? Who knows? Number three, it's the stones. They gotta go from one into another and find the fake rocks from the real rocks. Number two, it's the boulder dash. All they gotta do is go up a hill and avoid getting crushed by those giant boulders. And the most favorite game is high rollers. Cause you know, it's balancing and they fall. It's funny. Anyway, that's gonna do it for our look at Takeshi's Castle. Now it's time for the 110 part series, exploring every pricing game on the prices right this is the Pricing Game Spotlight. Secret X. Premiere date, September 14th, 1977, 2473D. Finale date, Barker, May 30th, 2007, 4013K. Premier day with Drew Carey, November 27, 2007, 4, 1, 02K, or of November 5th, 2007, played at center stage. Secret X is a game based on tic-tac-toe, but without the O's, only the X's. Here's how it works. The centerpiece of Secret X is a large tic-tac-toe board. The middle column of the board contains a Secret X hidden in one of the three boxes. To win the game, the contestant must get three X's in a row, horizontally or diagonally. The contestant is given a free X to place anywhere they want from the left or right columns of the board. The contestant is then shown two small prizes, one at a time, each with two prices displayed. If the contestant picks the correct price, they win the small prize and earn an additional X, which they can be placed on the board. Once both prizes have been played, the middle column of the board flips over, revealing the location of the secret X. If the secret X completes a string of three X's in a row, the contestant wins. A winning row of three must include the secret X. 
and contestants are not allowed to place all three of their X's on the same side of the board to create a vertical row, although this is no longer explicitly stated. If the contestant earns no additional X's, the game is automatically over. However, even if they earn both additional X's, the contestant can still only form a row with two of the three secret squares, and that is not assured victory. Strategy. Contestants are often discouraged to attempt to place an X in the middle row, because such a placement can only win with the one possible secret X position, the center. The same can be accomplished by placing X's in vertically opposite corners. This also allows a third X, if one, to complete the top or bottom horizontal row, which is not possible without the middle row placement history. Secret X premieres September 14th, 1977, and was created by former producer Kathy Fingers Greco, who was then a production assistant on the show. It premiered on the same day as the now-famous incident involving contestant Yolanda Bowserly's tube top falling, and then when she was called to come on down. On its first playing, contestant Betty Vasquez put the first ever free X in the middle of the left column. The no-no. So the only way she could win was for the secret X to be in the middle. She then guessed both prizes wrong and therefore lost anyway with no additional X's. Bob did, however, reveal the center column to find out where the secret X is after learning. She had to push button without knowing it. On second playing, the game was re received with its first win. When the game made its debut in 1977, there were no question marks in the center column. They were added presumably on October 26, 1977. On February 12, 1981, the white parts of the set became yellow. On October 10, 1986, the clear background Secret X logo changed to yellow. The white border turned red and the red base became black, so also the small prize podiums were also revised completely. The black stripes in the corners were removed November 4, 2004. The font choices changed to Kingpin, because you all know where my font heads are at. Woo woo! November 27, 2007, aired out of order November 5th. When it was playing on March 7, 1995, featured some technical difficulties. The machine was stuck, and so Bob pushed the button, and he called out Roger Dobb for help. At first, trying to get into the black tarp at the back of the board to crank the mill button manually, but didn't help. As a result, Bob and Roger turned the board around and looked behind the black tarp at the back of the board to find out where the secret X is. It was on the bottom, and the contestant lost. On an error playing from December 4th, 1998, an error occurred, which the prices. Both the choices and the ARP were reversed on both prizes. After guessing the first small prize wrong and the second one right and trying to get three in a row on top, everyone realizes the error on pricing the small prizes, and so the only thing to do was award him the prize. But Bob checked to reveal the center column anyway, and he would not have won since the secret X was in the middle square. But he might have put a second X on the bottom on the bum right, as Bob said it. Another noble playing, April 27, 1999, featured Amy DeRose, who was clueless about the game and tried to get three in a row on the left column. She first placed her free X in the middle left and then placed her second in the top left before getting her first small prize correctly, but she guessed the second prize incorrect, resulting in an instant loss. But Bob pressed the button to reveal the center column and the secret X was in the middle. On February 14th, 2014, a trip to Cancun for 22 people worth 33000 was offered and won. March 3rd, 2016, Gary Miller puts free X in the middle of the right column, effectively meaning he could only win at the X was in the middle. He won the second X, and then Drew went ahead and played out the game for the third X. Even though at that point, it didn't matter where Gary put it, the X was indeed in the middle, and Gary's unorthodox strategy worked. On May 5th, 2016, Erica Green guessed both prices 
wrong and only had the first X, so she had no chance of winning. The same happened to Florine Siegel, November 24, 2015, and Tony Alclanti, February 17, 2017. And Brian Kim, March 21st, 2017, and Ellie Cow, December 17, 2015. It's a possibility. That's part of the game. Why is this a factoid? Why is that a factoid? Anyway, October 28th, Secret X played for $15,000 because of Big Money Week, and it was won. November 15th, 2016, Contestant Ben correctly guessed both small prices, but still lost a game, which spoiled a perfect show. See, that's something. Uh, trivia. Most number of times this game is played on any season's 36, a vertical tic-tac-toe counts as a win on the 1990 computer games released for the PC and Commodore 64, despite being against the rules on the actual show. So I kind of like Secret X, but the thing is, I mean, it is played with, you get one free X, you get two Xs, so you get three in a row. So the strategy is basically ignore uh, the corner, is basically play the corners and not the center part, because if you want this, because it's basically, you get your, if you get one right, you get your choice of one of the squares. And then if you get two right, you get two squares, and that's it. So if you, put in the top left corner uh and then you want that you can pick the top middle or bottom square and if it's you want the top square your second x has to be on the top uh right corner as that one was in the top left if you want the middle one you would be putting in the bottom right so therefore you have a top left and a bottom right so you went diagonally uh and then if you wanted the bottom you would have to win the second x and and play accordingly so if it was me and i had to play the prices right what i would do is hope i got both x's so i would play one on the bottom corner guaranteeing the center square and then having that 50 50 gamble with the top or the bottom it's an okay game i like the tic-tac-toe format uh if it wasn't for secret x i think i i would probably not have played one of those travel size tic-tac-toe games as a kid Anyway, that's that's kind of the fun of Secret X. It's an all right game. I mean, I'll put it in, in the C level. Uh, very versatile in the way you can win because you only get 66 and a 6 chance of winning even at best. So it's good if you are cheap, like on The Price is Right. Next time on The Pricing Game Spotlight, the scariest game of them all, Professor Price. <laughs> if you decrease the speed of the electrical oscillations that are kind of waving across your brain, then you're giving your brain more of an opportunity to have something that we call alpha waves of activity. And that is associated with more calm and creative, controlled thinking. Okay, so if you find yourself in a position of calmness, that's when ideas will pop into your head. Bing! Eureka moment. The other British game show I saw this week was a show called Family Brain Games for the BBC. Dara O'Brien, fresh from Blockbusters, oh, <laughs> laugh out loud, Blockbusters, brings families into a tournament where they play various group puzzles to win. Essentially, the games are more about cooperation versus the logic in their design. For example, uh, in one game, every member of a family gets a letter and they must work together to figure out the four-letter words together. Every game that they successfully complete at against another team gets 50 points, and after four games, there is one final challenge that determines the champion, with points determining the advantage going into that final game. 
The games are very clever, and the way that they handled the logic and the puzzle designs are also very clever. And Dara is a very smart and very funny host. And unlike on Blockbusters, he's actually a bit more reserved on this show. Uh, This shows that he is actually capable of being humorous and funny, and yet still able to do a serious show. Uh, With clever puzzles, watching them sorted out is interesting, but with shows like Britain's Brightest Family, you'd think this was BBC's attempt to challenge them in the family game show dynamic. However, it's not the case. I love the whole self-contained atmosphere of the show. I love the fact that it's almost treated as if they are lab rats, and this is a science set done right. Compared to what they were doing with Hey Tracy, this feels nicer. But ultimately, it comes down to how much you love others solving puzzles and the communication focus on it. It is one aspect of basically families doing the mental challenges from the crystal maze. Is it a bad thing? No. But what I love most about the show is how our brains operate. And if it wasn't for that, I would not necessarily give the show that high of of a regard. I like understanding why is it when we get angry, we start speaking out and being frustrated and start yelling and you're trying to figure out what you're trying to say. Things like that. I I wonder why is that? And here is uh, a person who can actually eloquently describe that in a way that makes most sense. And I enjoy that. So, I I mean, I, I give it a recommendation if you ever come around to it. It's not one of those shows you just want to go out of your way to see, though. Uh, so, my final letter grade is a C. So, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, hope you guys have a great 4th of July weekend. Uh, please go enjoy some fireworks, enjoy some barbecue. Just don't go near dogs or vets. That's all I got to say. Next week, we are going to do one of the spookiest game shows out there. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, have a great night and big smooch. Mwah!